0: The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit KCAlaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. And we now find ourselves in the 45th chapter of the book of Genesis. Stand with me, please. Genesis 45, verse 1. The brothers have passed all their tests. Here we go, verse 1. And Joseph could not restrain himself anymore before those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. I bet. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. So they came near him. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest, verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he who has made me a father to Pharaoh. And the Lord over all his house and rulers throughout all of the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph. Quote, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. And you shall, and you shall be near me. And your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. Verse 11. And there I'll provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, pardon me, that is my mouth that speaks to you. Verse 13. So you shall tell my father of all the glory of Egypt and of all that you've seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them, and after that his brothers talked with them. Now the report of it was heard at Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your animals and depart and go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat of the fat of the land. Now you are... Commanded, do this: take carts of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives, and bring your father and come. and And do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the sons of Israel Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, charges of garments. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. Verse 23, and he sent to his father these things, 10 donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. And so he sent his brothers away. And they departed. And he said to them, quote, see that you do not become troubled along the way, end quote. And they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, because he he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, And when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before i die wow let's pray father we thank and praise you for what you did in the first service and now what you'll do in this service and what you've already done i pray and ask for an unction for an anointing enable me god to speak with great clarity release all that's in your heart to these precious people chosen set apart washed by your blood come and speak to us your church your bride that we might be forever changed In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So in the introduction, we've talked about Malachi, how God's turning the hearts of fathers to the children, children to the fathers. Really, he's doing that with parents and children around the world. There's so many stories of reconciliation. And and, uh, Joseph had two dreams, These are found in chapter 37 of the book of Genesis. One is, one dream is that he has sheaves and his brothers come with their 11 sheaves and they bow down. Sheaves are wheat. And this has taken place already here in these chapters that we've read. Famine is in the land. And they come and they basically bow down before Joseph, but they don't know it's him. And he puts them through a series of tests. The second dream he has is about the stars bowing down. Which to me ties into Father Abraham, his great-granddad, great-grandfather Abraham, promised by God, more numerable than the stars will your descendants be. As Abraham would look up at the sky every time he would come out of his tent, he would look and see the stars and be overwhelmed at the promise of God. And God changed his name, called him Abraham, which to me is funny, father of many, and before he had, even before he had Isaac. Hi, what's your name? Abraham, father of many. Whoa, where's all your kids? I don't have any. And then even after Isaac comes, whoa, father of many. How many children you got? Just one. And so these dreams have come to pass. The key to understanding this passage is revelation. I've called the title of this message Revelation and Restoration. Revelation and Restoration. And so let's look at our text here. And from our text, we see six revelations that take place. Joseph, number one, Joseph had a revelation. He could now trust his brothers with his identity. He had put them through all of these tests and they were able to overcome. I love the final verse, uh, one of the final verses of chapter 44. If you look with me, it's worthy to look back. I believe it's Judas speaking here in the final verse. He says, For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, talking of Benjamin, lest perhaps to see the evil would come upon my father? They are broken about what will take place in their father. And you'll find in your life as a believer, as you grow up, as you mature, as you mature, you're going to think more about what the father thinks than what other people think. Amen. The fear of man brings a snare. But when you learn to fear the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom, and God can then trust you. And they were not. What, what, happened, to the, what happened to the concern about what their father was thinking when they took Joseph? What happened to the concern uh, of their father when they lied to him and brought the bloody garment and said, Oh, is this your son's? Filled with deceit filled with pride, lying, taking the life of their brother and selling him into slavery and lying 22 years. 22 years they lie to their father and they can take it no longer. And they're realizing that they can't do that to their dad and they plead with Joseph and this is the final test. And after he says, no, I can't. we can't do that to dad, he realizes, oh, these guys are different guys that sold me off and I'm a different man. <coughs> Pardon me. And he can restrain himself no more. And he reveals himself. So Joseph trusts them and brings revelation of his identity. Can you imagine that day? I am Joseph. What? The second thing that happens is the brothers had a revelation that the Egyptian, of course, happened simultaneously, I am Joseph. So um, immediately, the Egyptian that they were terrified of, they realized, dude, it's our brother. So two revelations happening there at the same time. I'm Joseph. He says it twice because they can't believe it. I don't know if you ever heard news that's like phenomenal. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And it's kind of like, excuse me? Can you say that again? That's what it was like. And he's like, I am Joseph, who you sold into slavery. And I love this next part where he says I'm, he says twice he says "I'm Joseph and he asks about his father can you can you heat my monitor up just a little bit more please having a kind of a challenge with my voice You're doing a great job appreciate you He asks about his father you see all the other times he says how how is your father how is how is your father is your father well how is your father is your father still alive you can look your father your father your father and now he says how is my father it's a beautiful picture wondering if his dad is still alive and he tells his brothers what they did to him and this profound moment of revelation and restoration comes to these to this broken family He shares a revelation. I want you to see this, verse 5. He shares a revelation of of why he was in Egypt. Look at verse 5. But now do do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. He suddenly explains why he was in Egypt, and he explains it to his brother, and he says to him, this is the plan of God is at work. My dreams coming to pass. Now, you don't want to get confused. We'll get there in a moment. God was not the author of his... Of his his uh, becoming a slave. God was not the author of him being in a pit. That was never God's plan. God's plan is always to bless. God's plan is always to prosper. But God had to bring his people to Egypt and the famine was coming and he had to fulfill the prophetic word as he said to Father Abraham in Genesis 15 that out of Egypt, you'll be in Egypt for 400 years and then I'll bring you back. So this is the beginning of the 400 years. So God was going to do that, but he didn't need him, somebody to be thrown in a pit. Some people think, oh, God God is doing this to me. No, no, evil, where would he find it? God's good. Come on, God, good, devil. Yes, it's true. It's a great revelation. Sent to save lives. Wow. And to preserve for you a a remnant, another version, I think it's the NIV says, a, a remnant in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. You see the captivity that you feel in your life right now? Listen to me. Listen. Some of you are, some of you are operating in, in cycles of captivity. You're going through things where you're constantly feeling trapped. You're constantly feeling like you're alone. Constantly feeling like you're out somewhere. Or Maybe somebody's done it to you. Maybe, maybe you were wronged. Well, welcome to the human race. Yes. What you have to do, what we have to do when things like that happen, when you find yourself in the prison and you didn't have to do anything to deserve it, is you have to keep your heart right and you got to trust God for I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 29 11, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's God's plan. God's plan for you is glorious and awesome. It's majestic and powerful. It's not to harm you, but to bless you. But in the midst of that, we live in a crooked and a depraved generation where there's people who are demonized and there is a real devil and he comes even as an angel of light I mean if you know if the devil came with a pitchfork and a set of horns you'd be like it's the devil no 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 yeah he comes maybe in a blue dress you know what I'm talking about <laughs> hello he comes in all kinds of ways you have to be careful you, you, but he, he comes and he uses people to bring wounding. And, he, and he, we live in a fallen world, and mankind is fallen. So God definitely was going to bring his people. We know that from Genesis 15. But the slavery thing, that was not his plan. We said, well, then how was God going to do it? I have no idea, but we know for sure that God is good. And so even though they hated their brother, and he had immaturity and shared the dreams out of turn, or you know, didn't share them in, in the right timing, and dysfunctional because his father favored him and gave him a sweet coat and all that. <laughs> God worked it all for good. We're going to get there, but understand that's what happened and he's telling them. And your captivity that you feel right now, let God work it for good. Yeah. Keep your heart in the right place. You know, you can get bitter. You can get angry. Joseph didn't do that. He got better. He stayed close to God. I'm sure he wrestled back and forth. Wow. And he gives them a revelation of love and forgiveness. I was studying this in my, in my camper which is where I study during the summer, spring and summer months. It's like my little tabernacle. (laughs) Early this morning, and I, I began to weep. It's such a beautiful passage of Scripture to see that listen when you read the word don't read it just like it's some far off thing let it burn inside your heart let Jesus walk up and down the pages of your heart embrace it bring it close make it real imagine yourself there think about what it was like to be separated from family for 22 years and all your brothers sold you into slavery and there they are and God has brought about the fulfillment of your dream and and the fulfillment of your reason. and they're bowing before him and finally he can't take it because he sees they're changed and he says I'm Joseph and they weep so loud that all of Egypt hears him now these are not tears of sorrow and pain they're tears of joy of God's fulfillment and saving them and bringing restoration so I'm reading this and then he weeps on Benjamin and he and he weeps on all his brothers that's that's 11 weepings that's a lot of crying And they're weeping. I'm sure their minds are like totally blown. Oh, my gosh. And I don't think he's like that. I told you the dream was real. I told you the dream was real. I don't think he's like that. (laughs) Told you guys. didn't even listen. Look, you bowing down now, aren't you? Bow down. I don't think he was like that. (laughs) And they all receive revelation of how appreciative Pharaoh is. And this is really pretty profound when you look at this. Pharaoh hears of it, and he's... And they're they're glad, and his servants it it they them well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Say to your brothers." And he begins to say, "Do this and take carts and load them down, and we're going to give them the fat of the land." Why would Joseph, Why would the Pharaoh do that? Because Joseph saved the known world. No, I might preach in a second. How appreciative Pharaoh was. All of Egypt was appreciative. Joseph saved the nations is what he did. And so the brothers return with this, these goods, these donkeys, and these carts. Now, this is interesting. When Jacob receives a revelation, this is the sixth revelation, receives a revelation that his son's alive, he didn't believe them. He didn't believe one thing they said. It's too big, too phenomenal to believe and yet it says he was convinced by Joseph's word to him. They told him the words of Joseph, and that convinced him. But this verse 27 is what is fascinating to me. So I'm going to share with you just a little bit of a deeper meaning. And, um, but I want to present it to you in a way that it's a possibility, but we don't know for sure. But it's interesting nonetheless, so you'll just file it that way. In verse 27, it says, when they told him the words, you all there, verse 27 of Genesis 45. You ready? Those online, you ready? This is good. (laughs) But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw, when he what? When he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob's father revived. Here, leave the scripture up, please. Here's what happened. This is what rabbinic scholars say rabbinic scholars say that when Joseph who was taught in the tents taught taught the taught the word trained by his father was brought to a place called Hebron and at Hebron his father sends him out. It is said that his father taught him about the redemption of, of redeeming when somebody is killed in the wilderness. Now you can you can go read this in Deuteronomy 21. Oh, let's go there. Let's go to Deuteronomy 21. Go ahead, put that up. <laughs> somebody said, Well, the law it wasn't written yet. No, that's true, but it was all oral. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 1, right there. If anyone has found slain lying in the field in the land in which the Lord your God is giving you to possess, and it is not known who killed him, go ahead to the next verse, then your elders and your judges shall go out and measure the distance. Okay, go to the next verse. And it shall come to pass, the elders of the city nearest the slain man will take a heifer, all right? Now leave it up. The, the other version, another version will say a calf. Okay, heifer. Interesting Hebrew word. Which has not been worked or has pulled the yoke. Go to the next verse. And lead it down into the valley. And let me just paraphrase the rest of this. They break the neck of the heifer and they slaughter the heifer. And they wash their hands over it to release guilt because of a slain body in the desert. Now, they say, rabbinic scholars say, that when Joseph was sent off from Hebron, this was the last teaching he learned from his father Jacob. Now, what's interesting to note is this. When you fast forward to Genesis chapter 45 and they heard he, Jacob the words of Joseph, and when he saw the carts. The word carts is the same word. Go go ahead to Genesis 45, the text that we're looking at, verse 27. So when he saw the carts, that word carts in the Hebrew is the same word for heifer or calf. And that it's it's, this, encrypted message from the last teaching that his father gave him. So when he saw the carts, he thought, oh, oh, he's alive. And his spirit revived. Kind of amazing. Whoa. I've never heard that before. I know. Me neither. The truth is I can't unequivocally tell you that's, that's the case, but I'll, I'll continue to study it. But it is actually interesting. It's profound, really. Because Joseph, he was saying to Joseph before he sent him out, look, you could die right in the desert. You don't understand that. And this is the teaching. You could die. This is a dangerous trip. And he ends up, and really, you'll see the patriarchs many times were prophesying. Like if you look a little deeper, you'll see many times the patriarchs are just prophesying during their blessings, during their prayer. They're just prophesying unknowingly. Wow. And even if it isn't true, we know that the text says, when he saw the carts, when he saw all the blessings, he thought, oh, somebody's in Egypt. It must be my son. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. I believe that God is speaking to us this morning. And uh, the first part of it is we see Jesus through Joseph. I've told you all along in this series that if you, if you look at the life of Joseph and you do an overlay of Christ, you see so many similarities that it's clear that Joseph is a type and shadow of the Messiah, a type and shadow of Jesus. And in this particular text, it really all comes together to me. God sent his one and only begotten son who left eternity into time and, into time and space and put on flesh, put on this nasty stuff and walk the earth for 33 and a half years. It's a picture of God sending his son into Egypt or Jacob sending Joseph into Egypt to do what? To redeem all of mankind, to save all of mankind because there's famine in the land and in application to us, sin will kill you. Oh, though it has pleasure for a season, in the end it'll reap death. That all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, but God sent his Joseph. God sent Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody say hallelujah. To die on a cross, to rise again from the grave. That all of us are are in prison. All of us are bound. All of us have fallen short. Each of us has gone to his own way, though our sins be as crimson. He makes them white as snow. Isaiah, Isaiah from Isaiah, Isaiah 40 through Isaiah 55 talks about the Messiah. They never expected, they never expect the Messiah to become as a suffering servant. No, they didn't. But that is how he had to come. He'll come as a conquering king the next time. He came as a suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And Joseph is a picture how he had to suffer. And Jesus had the sins of the world laid on him. Oh, thank you, God. And, and when, when Jacob heard the words and saw the gifts, Isn't that exactly like the gospel? His spirit revived, and Jacob is no longer Jacob, but he begins to use his name Israel, which is his covenant name, Prince of God. There's a transition from from usurper to Prince of God. Isn't that amazing that we can pray and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior and be translated out of darkness into the... I might run around the church in a second. Be translated out of out of darkness into the kingdom of his son, that he takes out the the, the old and he puts in the new, that he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. The greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's exactly the picture here. A picture of the resurrection from the dead. Jacob's spirit revived. How you can be a new creation. You can be born again. You can have your sins washed away. (laughs) Woo! Thank you, Jesus all of us are facing a certain death famine but God sent his son that we might live and that is the same is true here with Joseph God longs to reveal himself is the second thing I see God longs to reveal himself to us whatever you're going through God can bring you to a moment of revelation it's a, it's a beautiful thing when you realize that God, the day that you realize that God's on your side and you've got nothing to worry about. It might feel like you're sinking. You might feel like you've got no way out, but if God's with you, he's going to bring you through it. He'll anoint you to do it. If God said he'll do it, he will do it. He's not a man that he should lie. He's concerned with you. It says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And your father knows when one of them falls in the forest. And he knows every hair on your head and the lack thereof come on all the bald guys say hallelujah Hallelujah. he knows every hair on your head he's concerned about you he cares for you he's not like the deist the deist would say that they believe in a god of creation but that he's separate from creation no 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 god is the creator and he's not like the deist who says it just wound up creation and then god sat back and watched it for a second no God. God made you, made me. Breathe the breath of life into your nostrils. Created a human being, the sea, the land, and everything in it. And He's not separate from it. He's intimately involved in our lives. And at any moment, God can break in with truth, break in with light. In any moment, God can heal you, deliver you, bring you out of the prison into the palace. At any moment, trust and know that God is good, and that He cares for you, and He can turn things for good in your life. Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him and they ended up selling him to slavery, but God turned it for good. I I said earlier, it wasn't God's plan for Joseph to be tortured, tormented, and abandoned. It was God's plan as revealed by the dream and the prophetic word given to granddaddy, great grandfather, Abraham. It was God's plan to bring him his children, Israel, into Egypt. We know that. Out of Egypt, they'll be there four hundred years, and then slavery. It says there's going to be slavery. Yeah. See, everything's good with Pharaoh now, but a new Pharaoh comes into power, and everything isn't so good. A little change in structure. It's amazing when you get what what happens spiritually when you get new headship. Yeah. Yeah. Whole another message. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, it, Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity for it's there, God commands the blessing. Yeah. If it, it, leadership is so crucial. The sun rises and sets on leadership and if the, if the head is not sound, then you're gonna have an unsound body, you understand. But whether it's healthy leadership and the blessing of God, then it flows down pharaoh pharaoh gave him every the fat of the land come on down you get the fat of the land yeah but that changed they weren't so excited about their incredible multiplication and then they became slaves Joseph is unjustly thrown into prison yet gone turn it for good. Romans 8 28 should be committed to memory and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God are called according to his purpose. Not all things are good but God will turn it for good. He causes us to will and act according to his good purpose and if you're going through a desert, going through a wilderness, going through pain, going through suffering, you're going through difficult things allow for God to turn it to good. How? By knowing one that that's what he does and that God is good. Don't attribute to God evil. God didn't give you cancer. God didn't give you, you know, God didn't give you indigestion. Come on. You might have overeaten. See, there's the fallenness of man, the sin of man. That that affects us. Our own foolishness. Amplified version calls it our own stupidity. There's there's the devil. There's demons. There's evil. Somebody said, "Well, it must be God's will. God's will, what? That you have cancer? Yeah, it must be God. No, it's not God's will that you have cancer. He said, "How can you be so?" That's why I pray, and that's why we pray the way that we do. Cancer, go in the name of Jesus. Somebody said, "How can you pray that way?" Because we know it's not His will. Yeah. So how do you know that? Because you just read the word. Yes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Right? We know it is will on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So we know in heaven there's no more weeping, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. Right? So we know that's his will. And when you see Jesus hit the earth, all who came to him. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all. How many? All. I've studied the Greek on that. You know what it means? Everyone. He- healing all. One pastor said, I, I know a little bit of Hebrew. No little Hebrew, no little Greek. Hebrew's got a garment shop, and the Greek owns a coffee shop. I don't know about that. And all the East Coasters said, amen. No, God will turn it for good. You just have to trust him. God is a good God. Don't attribute to God evil but in the midst of things where you might have been sold into slavery or gone through difficulty God can turn it around how many of you know have a testimony of God turning stuff around thank you Jesus it's the cross that brings victory and by sharing with us his purpose and giving us meaning see when you pray God reveals things to you you, know, you can't, I don't know how you live a victorious life and don't have a prayer life. Amen. If, if you, you can't live a victorious life and not have a prayer life. Right, right. And I think about the times of tremendous, some of the greatest breakthroughs we've had as a church were some of the most inconvenient moments of my life. And some of them was just my flesh. And I, I've told the story before and it's written in a magazine, but this property that we purchased back, Let me tell you how that came back to us, just very briefly. It wouldn't have come back had I not heeded the voice of a 10-year-old, my son, who wanted just to go put his feet on the old property. We had other things in mind. We were looking somewhere else. Didn't understand how the prophetic words from decades previous that from this hill there'll be a light that shines like a like a city on a hill this church will be and i will bring people and as people come into Wasilla, they'll see all these prophetic words christine and different ones here margaret maybe you remember some of that from the barn all those years ago and then we up and sell it make a huge profit come on somebody say hallelujah Hallelujah. buy low sell high release some money into the kingdom buy this place now we outgrow this building. 10 to 12 years later, we need new property. And a 10-year-old says, on my day off. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know if you understand. We've had one day off for years. So on the day off, let me tell you how much church stuff I do. None. Praise the Lord. I minister to my family. I take care of, we, I don't take care of the laundry. I mean, by help in some capacity i'm going over here you know i mean we get refreshed and that's monday for most preachers it's monday so we go see this movie the son of god on a monday and then we're going to go home and i'm going to take my glorious nap which i do on my day off i mean it's just like heaven like oh and so it's like nap time saw the movie and everyone in, the, everyone in the truck wants to go to the old church property. That's the last thing I want to do. And so I look, at, I look at my boy and I said, how come? He goes, I don't know. And I see in him like a resolve or something. I see something. And I thought, oh, all right, we'll go. Do you know if we didn't drive to that church property on that very inconvenient Monday, which felt like prison to me? I'm just telling you. I want to go to the barn with graffiti all over it and see how degraded this place. It's sad to me to see it. It was sad for me to see the old barn and how people filled it full of trash and ripped out walls and broke all the windows. I didn't want to go see that. And so I put my feet on that place for the first time in 10 years. And I just thought, wow, as soon as I got out of my truck, I just felt... Whoa. Oh, wow. What's that? Thank you, Jesus. I thought the Lord is just, you know, touching me because he likes me. I walked. How many of you know he likes you? I walked into the barn. Look around. It's about calf deep and debris and hydraulic parts, construction stuff from businesses and people sleeping in there and doing all kinds of ungodly stuff, curses all over the walls. I walked in there with my kids, every window broken. I stood there looked around, I said, you know, this is where the chairs were, and this is where the sound booth was, and I said, and this is where the pulpit was, and I said, wow, God, you're awesome, you've brought our church so far, and I lifted my hands, I said, Lord, thank you for what you're doing, I didn't even get to finish my praying, I didn't get to finish, thank you for what you're doing, thank you for your, I didn't get, none of that, the Lord spoke clear as a bell and said, I'm giving you the property back, and I just thought, what, (laughs) and my immediate response is, that's pa." possible. I almost said it. You don't want to say that's impossible. You know why? Because with God, nothing. See, that's right. Nothing's impossible with God. So I got half of it out. That's a thank you, Jesus. And I told the kids, I said, God just spoke to me. He's going to give us the property back. I said, that's amazing. So I got out, called our real estate person. They made a phone call. It had just gone back to the bank. Forget it. I'm going over here. It had just gone back to the bank, and the timing of our phone call was so pristine and so perfect. He said, it's gone, it's gone back to the bank. You can get it for a fraction. You'd have $3 million in equity if you buy it right now. I said, thanks. I got to go. I'm going to call Dr. Hang up. Call Dr. Morocco. He's only yelled at me twice, I think. Once was for something else. And this was the second time. And he as soon as I tell him, you know the property and blah 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 we went there and then I called. It went back to the bank and they just want a million dollars. It's appraised for four million dollars. He said, put an offer in, put an offer in right now. Hang up, put an offer in. I said, okay, okay. I hung up. I called and said, put an offer in. The rest is history. Listen, in the midst of the difficulty that you're in, God can do miracles for you. He can turn it all around. He can lead you. He guide you. He can give you revelation. Come on, somebody. But you've got to pray and be sensitive to the Lord. And I think that's the way Joseph was. He's got purpose. He's giving us meaning. And finally, as the worship team comes, finally... We, see our, we can see ourselves and be transformed. Joseph saw his brothers completely changed. And the restoration, it just blows my mind because this is the next message in the series, and it's about restoration or restoring fathers. The restoration of brokenhearted father and a brokenhearted son and brokenhearted brothers are restored. I will tell you that God can restore your life. Joel 2 and 25 says he'll restore all the years the locusts have taken. You might feel far away from God. You might feel like the worst sinner in all of Alaska. But I want to tell you something. There's a God who wants to wrap his arms around you like my dad did on Father's Day and say, I got you. I got you. He's reaching out to you through my voice to tell you that He loves you, cares for you, and has got an amazing plan. Oh, the enemy meant for evil, God will turn for good. He's a God who wants to revive you. He wants to bring you out of out of your your Jacobness, if you could say it that way, and into your Israel. He wants to give you a new name, a new identity. It is interesting to note that that Jacob, it says he believed the words, and then it says, and Israel said, Israel is his covenant name. Israel said, I'm going to go to Egypt and see my son. Wow. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska, and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907 357 2065, 907 357 2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.